Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Thanks to Pros for supporting Made for This. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash made for this. And now here's Jenny. Okay, guys, you are in for such a treat today. I have Sam Larson here from Alone. You guys that watch the show probably know exactly who this is. And I have to say, Sam, that I am very nervous to have you on because you won. Like you are good at this. You are alone in Mongolia for 60 days. So first you're going to have to tell us about the show for the people that don't know it or don't watch it. But what makes me nervous is I just wrote a whole book about not being alone. And I feel like I'm bringing on the expert at being alone. And I'm, I actually was thinking about this morning while I was working out and I was like, do I want to bring this guy on? Like, is he going to back up what I say? Or is he going to tell everybody the best thing in the world is to go be a hermit? So I can't wait to hear what you're going to say, but before you answer that, why don't you start with a little bit of an introduction about who you are and how on earth you end up in Mongolia for 60 days by yourself? Yeah. So uh, my name is Sam Larson and I just uh, basically thought that it would be a great idea for me to be alone in the wilderness. So as a high schooler, I had everything sort of like planned out. Um, school was like miserable. It was like prison. Uh, and so I wanted to live independently in the wilds of Alaska. And I had like a plot of land that I was going to buy with my grocery store stacking no. money. Uh, and that, that was my plan. Um, and then I started dating a, uh, <laughs> a, a woman and, uh, and then I with you every time plans canceled yep. as far as that goes. But I went on to, to be trained as a wilderness guide. Um, so I went to guide school, um, started working for like a big outdoor company and I got this phone call and someone from a TV production company, they said, we're looking for people to do a new reality show. And what they had told me it was going to be was they're going to drop someone alone in the wilderness. They have 10 survival items. It's completely self-filmed. So there's not a crew or anything like that. Oh my gosh. There's, there's 10 individuals all in far, far separate areas of the wilderness. And it's essentially, it's a competition show to see who can last the longest. Oh my gosh. And so there's no end date. There's no like anything like that. Oh my gosh. It's just your will to, to survive. That was what they told me. And I had a lot of doubts that that was actually going to happen because I had heard a lot of pitches from TV shows. It's survival TV was getting really big back in, in those years. And so I was like, yeah, I don't really believe it, but I'll go along with the casting process. So sent an audition, flew to New York, did an in-person audition, and a, they assessed our survival skills. Um, I guess I passed, and they flew us to British Columbia and we filmed the first season of this show alone. I ended up getting like second place that time, uh, the first season. I don't know. It was 
fairly uneventful being like the second place guy. So I had this wait, really wait, strong time desire. Out, time out. Yeah. That's nothing is uneventful about what you're saying. I want to go back to the whole <laughs> premise. You're by yourself filming yourself yeah. with 10 supplies for yes. how long is the first, the first season? How yeah, long did so, you last? And they don't so the, tell you, right? They don't, you don't no. know that people are dropping off. You, for all you know, you could be the the first one to turn it in and say, I didn't make it. You don't know. Correct. It's not like Hunger Games where they like project it into the sky when someone is out. <laughs> it's like you, you're completely, you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what's going on back home or with the show or with the oh other contestants. Gosh. Yeah. So you, you're just, you're just there alone, isolated. And the only interaction I had during this time is, well, actually the first season, we didn't have any real safety protocols, you know, later on, um, which we'll talk about. We had um, every day, twice a day, I would pick up my little uh, beacon device and I would enter over, over, over generic text. Okay. Send. And that was my human interaction. Wow. For, so for you're saying in the first season, they didn't even know for sure that you were alive. They had a pretty good oh feeling. We were alive. And they this do. Yeah. Well, they check on you about every, about every 10 to 15 days or so. They'll come oh, out with, gosh. with a doctor and uh, a producer who's like, Hey, can I have your SD card so we can send them to, to New York to get this stuff going. But that's only when like a 20 minute them? interaction. Yeah. But when you see them, do you like fall into their arms? I mean, what, like how so much is this suffering or how much is this joy for you? Like this feels, I literally can't breathe. I have more anxiety right this second than I've had in a long time. Cause this is horrible to me. I cannot even imagine this. Well, yeah. It, so I guess I should, I guess I should finish what ended up happening and then we'll get into that. Cause that's like very, that's like very important what you just asked. So it's, after I did this British Columbia season, they brought back, they did like an all-star type season. Um, and we went to Mongolia and then I was there for 60 days in Mongolia. Um, and that's where I got my interaction over, over. Okay. Send. It's interesting when you talk about people coming to visit some people, I believe it probably gave comfort to, to me though, it screwed me up for the entire like you day. were in a zone. Yes. And it threw you out of your zone. I can see that. Yeah. It, it freaks you out for the whole day. You're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Uh, cut some firewood or something. And you're just, you, you're used to being alone and you're in your comfort zone. And then these people come in, but the people are not like normal people, right? Because they are only there because you're doing a TV show. I mean, and you are friends with these people, but they're not there to be your friends. They're not there to, to hug you so you can set your head on their shoulder and cry for a long time. That might be awkward. <laughs> no hugs, no hugs. I've heard some of my friends who are contestants say, oh, I, I hugged them right away. But I bet. I, I would hug them and then I'd want them to carry me home. Okay, so tell me tell me this. So you you were in Mongolia. I mean, I just like how calm you are. Obviously, this is a diff. We are very different, Sam. I'm just going to call it right now. I've known you for 10 minutes and I'm going to say we are night and day. We are totally different humans. So this is a super fun interview to me because I'm so curious about everything in your brain. But you're just casually calmly saying things like, yeah. And that's when I was in Magno or Mongolia for 60 days by myself. So let's just go into, you do this once and how many days was British Columbia? Uh, 55 days. Oh, okay. So you do this once and you, then you are comfortable enough with this that when they call to do it again, you're okay. You're like, yeah, 
Sure. I'll do it again. Uh, or it's a little bit hard. Oh, no. I was bouncing off the walls. Oh, I, was extre- I was extremely excited. <laughs> so talk yeah. us through that. Like, talk us through everything that goes on in your mind. They drop you. You don't know where you're going, right? Like, do they blindfold you and drop you? Do you know I'm in Mongolia? Do you know, like, what what part of the world you're in? Well, it's very disorienting to be up in a helicopter in an unknown area. So they put you in a helicopter and they take you up and I bet they do a circle or something to get you confused. And then they fly you to your like designated location. We all draw rocks to see where they're going to put us. So it's random. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's completely random. You've got no idea where certain things are. And so my first day was just walking around this area like okay I, I wonder where there's water like uh, there's surely there's some water around here um, and I climbed to the top of the tallest mountain I could find just to look over and to see what was there because yeah it was completely foreign to me I had no map or anything like that so do you feel at all like the people watching are with you oh golly uh no overall after the first couple weeks or so you forget that there's a show and that wow. there's society and, you know, you forget about a lot of things pretty quick. Cause you're just, you're just out there by yourself. So yeah, your worldview changes pretty quick. Okay. So when you're thinking that way, like, okay, it's week two, week three is now here and, and you have forgotten that you're making a TV show. What is it? Is it just, I've got to figure out how to live every minute. I've got to figure out like, is the aloneness, part of the struggle or is it just survive, survive, survive every minute? So I have a, I have a theory that even though we have a deep need for community, I think being like bored in general is a modern invention. I think people before, before us had ways of staying occupied during their day. Like gathering, hunting, surviving. (laughs) Yeah. Like they know how to, but beyond that, you know how to, what's the word for it? Is it like internal dialogue where you're talking to yourself in your brain? Yeah. I think the better your internal dialogue, the better you'll do on your own. Because I would just have ideas spinning around in my head all day. And to some extent, that can be addicting because you come into normal world and you're interrupted by a text going ting or you're interrupted by a phone call or by a stoplight. And it's super annoying uh, but in like, I had a, a terrible uh, Eminem song stuck in my head for like 37 days on the first oh season that I, I did. Gosh. So it's, yeah, you're not interrupted by anything. And so okay, you can so think about the same thing for days. Do you have a pen and paper? Like, what are your 10 supplies? What do you have out there? That is one of the toughest things for me because there's no pen and paper. I like, would all, want that. Yeah. I would, that would be my 10. I don't care that that does not help me live. It is for what you're saying when you're, it would be for the alone part of me to almost like get things out or I don't know. I'm a writer. <laughs> well, that's the, the, I am too. That's how they found me for the show is I was writing and, and, but that was one of my biggest uh, passions. So being out there with no way to like sketch things is uh, and, and write down my thoughts is really hard. So you just, you're supposed to just say it to the camera, right? Everything. Right. You're thinking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you they got it all you- captured. That's true. Correct. And, and it's oh, filming yeah. you all the time. It's filming you when you're sleeping. It's filming you. Like, what's the craziest thing that happened at night in the dark? There's a lot of crazy things that happen. I mean, I've had animals walk through camp, like big elk and things like that. Um, packs of wolves run through camp. 
um, oh. things of that nature. Um, most of the funny sleep things on happen, the ground, like what are your 10 things? What do you take? What are the 10 items? Uh-huh. Um, like, I, I always forget, but it's like the big ones are sleeping bag, a okay. pot for cooking. Um, okay. but I don't, I don't have any like cup for drinking out of. So I made a cup. Um, I had a multi-tool. So that has like a knife and such, uh, ax saw, uh, fire striker, different okay. things like that. So it's that's, that's string, good. you know, rope wire, yeah, you make your own shelter, everything out there. I mean, there's you're not given anything except for things that are make your life more difficult. Like I remember Mongolia doesn't have uh, necessarily like a wildland firefighter crews like we have. So I literally had a firefighter pack with me that I had to drag everywhere if I'm in oh camp gosh. in case there's a fire. You know, I could fight the fire. All of our gear was a hindrance to some extent because it's to capture what you're doing big, heavy camera gear, big, heavy safety equipment that you can't use for your survival. It has to stay taped up in a bag unless there's a fire that's going to get you or something. So, so that can really give you any comfort in general. Do you know the day? Do you, I mean, is there any way to even keep up or do you just, I mean, do you try to count in your head or you don't have a pen? Well, you kind of go castaway style and make notches in a branch or something like that. Okay. Which makes you, it really brings you into it because you're like, oh, golly, that's a lot of notches in that. Like you're having to count. Like, where are we here? (laughs) You're eating what? Like, what was your, what it was your diet? Oh, Jenny. Um, So, well, I ate some snails like escargot. So that's not too bad. (laughs) I ate minnows. I ate some uh, various plants that I foraged. I ate grasshoppers. I ate ants. Did you never find a good old fish? Like, if you I, have a minnow, why couldn't you find a good old fish? Like a I had salmon fish? in British Columbia. I caught a nice. salmon, a, a couple salmon, which is delicious, right? Here's here's where it gets really bad. Um, I ate Eurasian voles. I ate mice, and then I ate uh, leeches. <laughs> okay, I can't breathe. Let's move on. Now, is there some serious prize money here? Yeah, so there's there is uh, compensation. You, that wasn't what kept you in. Well, here's the deal. It's it's kind of not very good to some extent because a lot of what kept me going was wanting this like title over me. I wanted to be known as the guy who won. And I had prayed about that a lot. Like I just kind of like, Lord, can you just have me be the winner? And then I feel like my life would be a lot better. Like if I just had this label as like, Sam was the winner. You know what I mean? That was part of my goal in being out there. And I do have you know, some other things that I kept in mind every day, which is like every day was a new adventure and I wanted adventure every single day. And I would never know what I was going to learn the very next day unless I stayed out there. You know, like what if I just learned something incredible about myself or about um, the, the woods around me? But ultimately, there was there were some pretty vain motivations, particularly, you know, earlier on um, where I wanted it for title wanted that to be part of my identity like sam Mm. is the survivalist winner of season five of alone that was like something i really got it i did yeah and 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 what did that feel like i mean when when they pick you up and you find out or how did you find out that was a really good day um so they pick me up and it's basically you wake up like it's any other day but you have a you have a medical check that day uh, so they trick you into thinking it's a medical check 
and they show up and your loved one is with the crew Aww, when they good. show up. Yeah. They like come around. So I was in a really hard place at that time. And I remember just wanting this crew to leave me alone. And I had misrecorded some of the audio on the crew's interview. So they made me repeat what I had said, <laughs> which is really aggravating and super cold. They showed up way earlier than they were supposed to, I thought, which is because they wanted to do a bunch of filming. Um, and then, yeah, I was, I was trying to say these things over again and I started crying. So I've cried on national oh, television. Man. Check that off my oh, bucket list. And then little Sam. Hey, yeah, and you're so like my, the toughest human anyone on this podcast has ever heard from. So you and Clint Bruce, my Navy SEAL buddy are it. So yeah, keep going. Nobody's thinking little Sam's a wimp here. <laughs> well, it's okay if they do. Um, oh. It's okay if they do, but it was basically uh, my wife came up behind me and surprised me. And it was really good because everything, everything changes. At that point, like when you said things were really hard, were you like, I, I don't know if I can make it. Did you feel like you might stop or quit? Um, I never felt like I was going to quit, but I just feel like, wow, this is really hard. And I would say this, I never felt lonely, but I felt very homesick. So I wasn't, I didn't just want people around me. Like I didn't just want someone. I wanted specific people. Like I wanted people who I love, who I had relationships you missed, with. You missed your people. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. When you first get there, let's start there. Is it hard to just get used to being alone? Like to the quiet, to the rhythm of it all? Like, does it take a few days or even weeks to adjust to it? Yeah, it does. They call it, now they have a, a term for it for people who go on the show. They call it drop shock. And so it's when you land, they drop you out of a helicopter and you're completely alone after like, you know, joking around with the producer at base camp for a couple of weeks. Like you're actually alone at this point and people freak out. I freak out. And it took probably one to three weeks just to relax and to get back in the solo living zone and to just, just slow down. Every survival handbook will tell you like, here's the ABCs of how to slow down when you're in a survival scenario. And it's true. You freak out. And especially when you're filming it for television, that, that affects a lot more people differently. Um, so not only are you like, Oh golly, like this, I better be good out here. Or else it's going to be really embarrassing. And no, it's going to want to be my friend after this. You have an awesome yeah. wife that lets you do this. Cause this is, this is crazy. Like you may not come back. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I failed to mention this, but the girl I started dating when I was in high school uh, ended up being my wife and Aww. we've been married for, it'll be, it'll be nine years in May. And so, so she knew what she was getting Alaska guy. Like you were, you were talking about it all the way back then in the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. In fact, this, this is actually her favorite podcast, except uh, for that, except for this episode, I guess. Shut up, <laughs> Sam. That is so great. We tracked Sam down. We, we wanted to hear your story. We wanted, you know, very few people alive on earth right now have lived truly alone for that long. And so let's talk about what this whole season is about, which is your people and that feeling of wanting your people back. You, you're not living alone on an Island, right? Like, where do you live? What is your life like at home? You still pick people, even though you love this adventure. Yeah. And I mean, this whole idea that I sort of revolved my life around um, at that time turned out to be a little bit 
damaging because my entire goal was to be autonomous and to be self-reliant. My goal was to have me and to have no troubles so that, you know, basically it's like you can't get hurt. So on one end, it's like you can't get hurt if there's a, a natural disaster. And sure, that's good. But it's also like you can't get hurt from a, a relationship or mm. anything like that. So you're really chasing your most inner human desires of just being safe and being comfortable and for just defending yourself against getting hurt. And then also trying to just be like happy, trying to feel, feel good. And so um, all of those <laughs> so you're things. You're saying in some yeah. ways, that's an easier feeling if you're alone. In some ways it really is because you can do whatever you want. Like I remember thinking, you know, there's, there's a a real benefit of if it could just be me and some sled dogs out in the wilderness, that sounds good. And almost everywhere I go that people agree with me. Like if I am meeting with a guy and I tell him, yeah, you know, I wanted to live on my own forever with sled dogs in the wilderness. They're all like, Oh, that sounds so good. You're so free. You can do whatever you want. But really what, what sort of, plague me is this idea that I would be in complete control of my life. And it's not really possible for someone to, to read any amount of the new Testament and to still feel like that's okay to do, to -hmm. feel like I can be by myself and still serve the Lord. Because ultimately a lot of those insecurities was just me not wanting to rely on Christ. Mm. It was me not wanting to, and and then me, we go back to insecurities. This is the, the Sam Larson insecurity hour, I guess, uh, where I wanted to be this winner. And so I wanted that to be how mm. people identified me. It was my deepest desire. I had to be like the winner of this survival show, the survival guy who's really cool. When I did that, I quickly realized like, okay, I won this survival show, but I felt bad inside. I felt really empty. There's nothing to really fill that. And so I was like, Lord, you gave me exactly what I wanted. But then I felt completely helpless and completely uncomfortable, mm. which is which is strange because that was my whole goal. I wanted to be comfortable. And here's here's a big part of being, anytime you're on television, especially nowadays with social media and everything, it's really easy because everyone has an opinion about you. Uh, everyone you meet has an opinion about you. And this is just one factor. There's more, but this is where it was most glaringly obvious. I caught myself being really attached to other people's opinions Mm. about me. And so I would hear something and my blood would just boil. And if, if it wasn't true, I would have to just get in there because what they really were doing to me at that point, anyone who said anything other than Sam Larson is the greatest, Um, was pulling apart who I was. Mm. They were were dismantling my identity publicly. While spring and summer are ahead of us, we all know there really isn't a one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to hair care. Specifically, I have fine, straight, flat, hard-to-curl hair, and when it gets more humid, it is just really difficult for me to hold volume in my hair, but pros has really changed that for me. 
I need a conditioner that doesn't weigh my hair down, a shampoo that doesn't dry it out. Pros has changed the texture of my hair altogether. We've teamed up with Pros and they're offering 15% off your first order at pros.com slash made for this. So what's neat about Pros is that they make custom hair care that's effective because it is unique to you. So they use natural ingredients, but they have proven results and they customize every single product in your hair routine to you, to where you live, the stressors in your life, the type of hair you have, if you color it, don't color it. And after that, Pros analyzes all my answers and determines what unique blend of ingredients should be in every product of my custom routine. So it's really cool because my hair care that I got even six months ago is different from the hair care that I'm using now. Since I've been using Pros, my hair is shinier. I get more comments on how shiny it is and I don't have as dry split ends. If you're not 100% positive Pros is the best hair care you've had, they'll take the products back with no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash made for this. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash made for this for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. And now back to Jenny. There is something about the gift of getting what you want and it not fulfilling you because it, I don't know. I feel like it's in a different way than, than not getting it. It actually helps you quit chasing it in a, in a strange yeah. way. So you're a believer and you're out there alone. So, you know, okay, God is with me. Like, did you pray a lot? Like, what was that like? Just your relationship with God when you were totally isolated and by yourself? You know, I did I did pray a lot. I prayed multiple times a day and I prayed for a really long time at night, which was a lot easier than it is now. Now that I have, you know, three kids, and live in a you know, <laughs> smaller home. It's like ugh, that man, it was easy to pray back then when the, the sun went down at 4 PM and you could sit by the fire and just pray. Not always were my prayers aligned correctly. And a lot of my prayers were in fear in hindsight. So I was terrified that something was going to happen back home. I was mm. terrified that my wife was going to get into a, a car accident. Uh, oh, you wouldn't know. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't know. And, and, or else they'd show up someday. Anytime the crew is like, Hey, here's a, a message or something like that. I'd be like, Oh no, like something horrendous mm -hmm. happened. Um, and I would, I, I would have some good prayers. I could pray for everyone in our family, even extend family individually. But I was also terrified that someone on the show was going to die, especially when it got really cold. When I got below zero, I was terrified that someone was, was going to just die. So and all then, 10 of you uh, are out in a similar area. I mean, you're not going to find each other. You're far apart, but, but you're experiencing similar things. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Even just the idea that other people are going through exactly what you're going through. Is that, that's interesting. You were scared for them. That's so sweet. Yeah, I was scared for them. And actually, I, I felt like when they got me on day 60, it was extremely early. And so I was, there was a moment after they came and got me where I was a little bit scared. I was like, what in the world happened to these guys? And it was, there were some crazy things that happened to people, uh, some some bad things that happened to people that took them out. So, uh, you know, what's interesting as we keep talking, Sam, almost all your stories, even your alone moments involve people. Like you're thinking about everyone else. You're, I think it's kind of cute that you're out there alone, Mr. Want to do my own thing, but yet you're very connected to people. Even the people that 
we're on the show with you and your competition. Yeah. And people think like, oh, weren't you scared that the bears were going to come get you? And I was like, no, I was scared that someone would get in a car accident or that yeah. a helicopter would <laughs> crash or like wow. I was scared of all those things. Well, and, and I think that goes back to just all of our human desire of control and, and you literally had none, you couldn't have helped. You were in the middle of nowhere. Would you do it again? Yes, I would. Well, if, if the things that needed to happen for me to go happened, then I would be more than willing to go out again. Yeah. So your, how you process being alone, talk about what you mentally have to do to endure. Because you've seen other people leave the show just because mentally they couldn't do it. It's extremely common. And I think it's, it, it's sort of masked by certain things. People say, like, I got scared of X, Y, Z so they can maybe leave with their pride intact. But it's, a lot of it is just being alone. People do not want to be alone. And for me, I could tell you what worked and I could tell you what I would do differently next time that would have been a huge benefit for me being alone uh, that I just didn't do. But for me, what happened is I would just slow down and I would think about things that comforted me. So planning things, I would plan um, a big canoe trip with my, uh, with my son or something like that. Uh, And I would plan um, day camps, you know, nature camps for kids and things like that. Just planning, planning, planning in my head. Uh, and I would think about my relationships. It is kind of good, I guess. I was thinking about my, wow, if I could have, oh, this is really, this is really interesting. Um, and I thought they would err when I said this on the show. I thought to myself, if I could have a meal with one person, alive or dead, um, who would it be? Uh, and I decided that it was going to be my dad. Mm. And so coming to the realization of that while I was completely alone, that was, that was a big deal for me. And so having a lot of time to think, like you can ask yourself really big questions when no one's interrupting Mm -hmm. because you know, no one's going to interrupt you. No one's, Mm -hmm. no one's coming. And so you're completely vulnerable to that. And in a busy world, it's really hard to be vulnerable because you can rely on, on being interrupted. Oh, well, this interrupted me. I have to, I have to leave this thought alone for a while, but I could just sit down and unpack things about my life. And I don't know what other people experience alone. The first thing that happens to me in the first few days is I learn, you know, I remember what a jerk I was to people in, Mm. you know, second and third grade, even like (laughs) every single terrible thing you did in your life comes back to sort of haunt you. And you have to, you have to remember that if you're a follower of Christ, you can die to your sin and you can live in Christ and you can be just a, a separate thing that you don't have to let dwell on you anymore, but that's a huge struggle. Like it all no. just comes back to me to, to, to haunt me, I suppose. So I was saying that put, I was actually a project that I did before this, but it was something I just lived, which is alone in the dark with the devil. He can tell you whatever the heck he wants but for you. You were fighting shame, even just in the beginning of being alone. So eventually that shifts for you. Like eventually you feel free of that. And so what does that look like for you of just fighting thoughts that probably aren't from God, right? I mean, those, those feelings and condemnation aren't from God. Yeah. And I think what, what was from God is the feelings of what do I really care about and what Mm. am I most thankful for? And I would do this thing where I would, I would pick something to be thankful for every single day. 
And I remember there was one day where I hadn't eaten in a really long time. And I hadn't even, like, I hadn't even got a mouse in a long time to eat. I had nothing. And there was, I had gathered a bunch of herbs in the warm month. And I had dried them out and stored them in a bag uh, in my backpack. And I pulled them out. And I got my little wooden cup that I made. And I put the herbs in it. And I heated up some water. And I had a little herbal tea for my meal that day. Mm. Uh, and I remember thinking, okay, I have to align my my mind to be really thankful for this tea that I had, but I was, and it was a a really beautiful, simple thing. And I remember it was, it was like in hindsight, it was a terrible night. Like there were actually, this is gross. There were mice literally running like across my feet as I was sitting there drinking the tea. But at the same time, it was a really, everything was slow and I could just, I could just sit there and have the freedom to think and to appreciate the opportunity. Ultimately, the thing that let me stay out there that long was the Lord aligning my head in the correct way where I could, I could do that, where I could be thankful for the small things. And I, I just wrote a whole book on people and our need for it and our desire for it. Even if we think we don't have a desire for it, that we really do crave it. But at the end of the book, the way it ended was but no matter what, like you don't have to be alone. Like God is always with you. And, and that is a reality that, that is ours if, if we believe in Jesus. And so to hear how that played out for you is, I mean, it's, it's honestly perspective shifting, you know, just to not, to not fear the time we do have alone, but it's a little different when we choose it, right? You chose it. And lots, lots of times I choose it because I'm a writer. So I need seasons where I'm writing and, and I really will isolate for days at a time, but it is, it's hard for many people listening right now. They feel alone and they don't want to be. And so mm-hmm. what would you say to them just about, you know, I want you to go back to something you said earlier about, you know, the new Testament, which I agree with, it was written to people. You can't get around it. it it's, we were meant to live in community. So talk just a little bit about coming home and and the choices you make to be a part of people's lives, even if maybe it's easier and cleaner to, to do life alone. Yeah. For me, it it took a really long time um, because, and I actually had a psychologist helping me that was provided by the show for everyone uh, who desires it. Yeah. So I I had a very good psychologist who I would speak with on a regular basis. um, But it took a long time to, reacclimate to the noise and to being around people again, but it's also some of the dearest moments that I had was just right away being able to be um, like, I mean, some of the best days I've ever had are days where it was just me and my wife. I think we had two days in a yurt in Mongolia right after I got out. So I had this amazing time where I could just reconnect without any distractions and that was like, I can't even, I can't describe with words how incredible that was. On top of that, she had brought this entire tray of uh, like snack bars from that my mother had made <laughs> uh, with our secret family recipe. And, Aww. but it was more the, the time that I got to spend with her because that was my desire. If I had just tapped out and it was just crew members and things who I also love, but it was um, the fact that one of the dearest people in the world um, could be right there with me was, was very good. 
it came down to it. Like I just needed time with loved ones where there were no distractions. Mm. I think even now we have time with our loved ones sometimes, but they're like really distracted times. There are times where, you know, someone could get a, a phone ting that says, Hey, I need your help with the business right now. Or kids screaming about something and frustrated about something. Okay. I'm, I'm distracted. I'll, I'll go over here and uh, deal with that. Mm. But, and I really think there's a, a strength in that. Obviously a lot of people get in like, you know, couples getaways or something, but I think, I think it'd be a good thing to normalize solo getaways for the purpose of just being in deep, deep communion with the Lord, like giving mm-hmm. someone who's close to you, like your spouse or a, a friend saying, you'll, you know, take their mail or whatever. And, um, allowing them to do what Jesus did in his darkest hours and just to be with his father. And, and I was reading like just last week, I was reading in Matthew and it was something that I had never really noticed before, but after the death of John the Baptist, Jesus goes to be with the father. Like he spends time with the father and, and to know that that was his greatest comfort. Mm. It was like, that is, that was the, the ultimate place of joy for him. And to say like that, that's it. That's my yeah. goal. That's my goal. I want my ultimate times of joy to just be where it's me and it's the word of God and it's in deep communion with the Lord. I think one of the key things about relationships is, and I talk about this in the book, that if we put our hope in people, they're going to disappoint us every time, but we put our hope in our relational needs are being met by God. They Then we get to be in a whole different type of relationship with people where we're not disappointed every single day. And we feel you know, grateful for the things they do rather than entitled and expectant. Have you seen that in your life? Yeah. I mean, I really have. There are big things that have happened that have made us completely rethink. Some of those things have been really deeply terrible things. What's strange is the elevated amount of joy that we're actually able to feel. I love now is being able to say there's things happening to me but I have more joy because I identify in Christ and I know what the source of my joy is bring him glory and knowing that that's that's where all of my hope rests Jenny and I came up with a way so that we could actually hear from you and text you back. Seriously, on your phone right now, open up your text messages and send the word podcast to the number 214-225-6267. And you will be in our, what we call the texties. It's our text message best friends that we text and Jenny will send stuff, send videos, send pictures, like exclusive stuff just for you guys. So ready? Text the word podcast to 214-225-6267.